Captain America throws his mighty shield. The TV fans are taking over. This is Across the Airwaves. You're different. Now, don't let anyone tell you that you have nothing to offer. Second chances don't come around all that often. I suggest you take a really close look at it. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Marvelverse Podcast. Across the Airways Podcast, dedicated to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Cajun Carter, Marvel's Netflix shows, and the movies of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm Dan Schmidt, your Excelsior host. And with me is the leader of Coulson's Army, and the guy who gets a fear of dark matter, my co-hosts. Hi guys, it's Nikki. Hello, it's Josh. Can Nikki tell us what we're doing on this exciting episode. Today we're going to be talking about episode 5 of season 2 of Marvel Agents Carter and listener feedback. Yes, and since Nico discussed the X-Men news about the X-Men TV show, get more on the uh, Across the Airways podcast, we're going to skip past the news with Nico, Marvel edition this week, could dive right into talking about a very exciting and action-packed episode of Agent Carter that introduced us to our possibly the first S.H.I.E.L.D. team. Okay, that's the episode, The Atomic Job. As Jarvis's precision and quick thinking skills are put to the ultimate test, Peggy must find a way to stop an atomic explosion that threatens to destroy all of California. Yes. And Whitney put her plans into motion this week, to a, to a huge degree. Yes, she did. Apparently she uh, likes sucking the life out of even dead people. Right, because she's not going to take it anymore. Yeah. I like the fact that she doesn't start small. There's no <laughs> middle ground with her. She she was like, okay, I just absorbed the, the life of several mice, and I just absorbed the life of an assassin that was squealed on us. You know what? I think I want more power. Hey, let's get an atom bomb. (laughs) (laughs) There's no, hey, I'm going to start a, you know, take over a corporation and then a small city and then a country and then an atom bomb. No, let's just jump right into it, shall we? Bring me an atomic bomb now. (laughs) Because she is a movie star, you know. She's thinking big. How demanding are they, man? Come on. Does Tom Cruise demand a Tom? Well, probably. I'm just imagining Whitney singing that song um, for Willy Wonka, I Want It Now. <laughs> Come on, you're going to talk about She is very yeah. Uh See, for me, I, I think Weird Al Yankovic, and I was thinking it's Christmas at Ground Zero. <laughs> oh, that's a good one, too. <laughs> but no, she really did. She just jumped the gun, went right to, hey, I need an atomic bomb. But the thing that gets me is, did she... Did she know already about the bomb and how it created the rift and how the zero matter got there? Was that something she knew already because she was married to Chadwick and who was in charge of Isodyne? Or did the dark matter, the zero matter, tell her? Hmm, interesting. I think she might have known about it because she, you know, has knowledge of it. Unless the thing, unless the dark matter inside of her is talking to her. Well, isn't she the face of iodine? I mean, isn't she really running Geisodine behind the scenes? That's a good question. I don't know if she was. I mean, I knew she knew about it and all that, but, but if she did know all about it, then well, a lot of their a lot of, kind of their tech is based on her information, based on her knowledge. Yeah. Because of, so. So I feel like she ordered it maybe the first time. Kurgot Chadwick to do it. 
Because now she's like, screw it, I can destroy myself. Because I have this power now. That's very possible. Is, is anybody else afraid for Chadwick's life? I thought he was going to die at the end of this episode. Yeah, I thought for sure he was going to die. When he stood up to her, I thought she'd kill him. Yeah. But now he's, now he's going to turn on her. I don't know that he's going to live much longer. No, I, I think what's going to happen is he gets the council all in one place. Whitney could just suck them all up. She can threaten them all. She could show, show up. You're right. She could just show up and say, uh, I let you do this. I knew this is what you would do. And this is what I wanted. Yeah, but women aren't allowed at the club, so... But, sure. Yeah, yeah. And how many guards do you think can stop her? If she walks in, it's because there's nobody left to guard the place. Either that or she did it once and scared the rest of them. And they're like, never mind, you go right ahead. <laughs> Just show them Suddenly, the crack in her face. Yeah, yeah that, that's... Now, it's, that's the other thing. It, it's an interesting thought you just made me have. Is that a crack in her face and we're seeing below the skin? Or is that leaking through and is it on top of the skin? The way the makeup is done or the special effects are done, it, it is a crack. Because it's the way it's leaking, if it was leaking, it would be... It wouldn't be crack-like. It would just kind of be kind of an ooze. Yeah. So it's like we're it's like her skin is cracked, and we're seeing inside. So that um, means that she's full of it. Yeah. Well, um, and I don't I don't mean that exactly in the in a ne- in the insult, but I mean she is. But that means that she's at least coated in it inwardly. Like it's it's like her adamantium. It's coating her insides. Right. I think she's pure dark matter at all. Every time she absorbs somebody, it gets bigger. Yes, so and every like time she bigger. absorbs more dark matter, it gets it gets stronger as well. And it's like a theory of mine that this is, it's alive, and it's trying to gather its pieces back into itself. It's trying to piece itself back together and grow stronger. It's hungry. I think every life that she absorbs makes it stronger, and the fact that she needed to absorb the more of it. And mm-hmm. I, I, it makes me wonder what's going to happen with, when she meets up Jason Wilkes. Well, my question is, is Wilkes a piece of it? No, I think, I think what it is, it's the, I think they both need to absorb it. But I think she's the physical and he's like the spiritual kind of thing. He's the like, temporal and she's the physical. Oh, right. And, and so it'd be very interesting to see see what happens and see my theory is that if they do meet he absorbs her he absorbs the dark matter and and it allows him to become solid once more and she becomes powerless but at the same time he's now full of dark matter he still probably sees the rift that appears now and then and it calls to him but it calls to the dark matter and i think he'll have no choice but to go through it in order to keep this dark matter, the zero matter from affecting anybody else. That's my theory. He would do that too. He would, he would. protect the world yep. and sacrifice yeah. himself, not knowing what was on the other side. But he seems to understand what it's about. So mm-hmm. uh, he would be the best person to be the hero. Yeah, I agree. Which is sad, though, because that means we're going to lose him. Yeah. We kind Once of again, she's going to lose somebody. Well, it's kind of. God, it feels like the season's going, especially with what happened with Susa and Violet in the episode. Yeah. Nobody could be happy. No. I think I personally think Susa and Violet are going to work it out. I think it's going to come down to the fact that he does love Peggy, but it turns out to be more of a brother kind of way now. No, well, he's a protector. He, he, wants, he cares about her, certainly. Um, I think he's still in love with her. Um, because of the way, I mean, just the way he looks at her and the way he responds to her. Mm-hmm. And he really, his guard was down when Peggy got hurt and they took her to Violet. His, he, he was not trying to hide anything. His guard was completely down. He wasn't even thinking about it and it really showed. But I think that, I think Susan Violet will probably work it out because I think he genuinely does love her too. Yeah. And wants that kind of a normal life. And he's never going to have that with Peggy. And Peggy, Peggy has never shown him any indication that she wants to settle down and have, you know, and at the time, you know, be a wife, be a mother possibly, or um, not that she would ever like quit 
CSSR or anything. They would, you know, have to work together as a married right. couple if they did. But she's never shown an indication that that's something she wants. Or that's something <clears throat> that Daniel wants is a life like that. And I think that will be what saves his relationship with Violet is that he can't have the life he wants with Peggy, but he can have it with Violet. But he has to yeah. end Violet. But again, Peggy eventually settles down to have his life, right? And a lot of people think it's Sousa, but Nikki, you're the one who came up with the theory I liked the most. What? I think it's Dum Dum Dugan. Oh, that wasn't my theory. That was somebody else's theory. I just really? Because I remember you're the one who mentioned it. Um, yeah, I mentioned it. But yeah, but, Dum Dum. I don't know. I mean, if we can get Neil McDonough back from Arrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As soon as Arrow kills off Damien Dark, then then we can get Dum Dum Dugan back. Um, uh, you know, it's poss- It's possible. Um, I I don't know, and I think that I'm enjoying her her singlehood enough that. You know, it doesn't really matter. And obviously she doesn't settle down like and give up work and all that because she is one of the geniuses who formed S.H.I.E.L.D. And she's yeah. obviously involved with that for the rest of her life. Pretty much. I don't think she finds the person or marries until after S.H.I.E.L.D. has started. Well, right. But I think she's still a huge part of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't think she... Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't think she ever goes home to play the little woman. And whoever marries her would have to understand that and respect that and admire that about her. I think she's going to function like an Alexander Pierce type of role. Could not be like him? But would she get to charge of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I feel like that's what she becomes. More of like a, you know, Secretary of Defense type of person. Not so much an agent on the field battling supervillains and couples getting killed. Right. I mean, I think she does want that light, that part of her yearns for a normal life. Mm-hmm. But right now, it's just that's not what she's so determined to make the world a better place. She's so determined to carry on Cap's legacy that she's not really thinking about it. I don't, I don't think that that's something that she thinks is a possibility right now. She she was even determined, so determined to save the world. She was willing to pull down a man's pants. <laughs> that sequence was hilarious. Yeah, that that whole accent of hers that just. Oh my gosh, it was sickening sweet, and I'm like, she, you know that inside Haley Atwell is doing it just to tease us and to, you know, show how silly we sound. Because I'm sorry, it sounded really silly. <laughs> I, I think she secretly enjoys the accents. Well, not so secretly, because you know, who doesn't enjoy putting on an accent and just having fun with it? I'm right. I've done it on airplanes and convinced people I'm Australian or British or whatever on an airplane just help it. I think she also enjoys giving people serious brain damage because, well... Yeah, yeah, especially okay. when at the end she did it a little bit longer on purpose. He wasn't even awake. Well, yeah, he deserved it. I'm sorry. He killed Laura Palmer. Because that, cause that revenge for uh, Twin Peaks there? Yeah, that's revenge for Laura Palmer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I thought it. I thought he was. He plays that character so well, so beautifully smarmy, and like he kind of comes off as like a Hollywood agent or Hollywood like uh, studio executive of the time, where it was the casting couch, and he was just like all about how much he can get laid. I think we're going to see him again, not oh, only yeah. because he's rocks on. He's in. He's rocks on. But um, according to the comics. He gets kidnapped by the Serpent Squad, and um, he becomes a member of their hierarchy un- um, under a mind control kind of thing. And um, I th- and he's the one that puts the hit out, but orders the hit on um, Tony Stark's parents, according to the comics. Mm-hmm. So I think we will see him surface every now and then, but um, it'll be very interesting to see if they develop him into this, you know, if they do develop Agent Carter even more and show more about the creation of S.H.I.E.L.D. and some more adventures and maybe even um, um, the Serpent Squad and coming across all that and the death of Howard and Maria and all that. That'd be very interesting. Sad, but interesting. We, yeah, we have a while. We have a ways to go till we yeah. get to 
Because right. Tony's not born until the 60s, so... Well, Ray, Ray Wise is a big enough actor. Yeah. Then I could see where we'll see him a bunch of times. But doesn't Roxanne also have something to do with the, uh, what's the film, The Molten Man? Is that it? The Molten Man? Yeah, this is Spider-Man villain. Ooh. I will look that up real quick while we talk. I think he, uh, was Liz Allen's brother? Correlated to him somehow? I forget. That guy, that's a horrible name for a villain. The Molten Mol- Man? Yeah, but you know what? I'll call him the Muffin Man. They've had characters named the Puma, the Kangaroo. I mean, there's been bizarre. Stilt Man. Stilt Man is my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. Or the Frog Man. What's with you and frogs today, Joshua? I don't know, but uh, talking about chickens crossing the road made me think of Frogger. (laughs) I loved that game. It was a game I could actually play. Mm -hmm. Not hard, so. That was about the ex- that is the extent of my video game knowledge. Speaking of roads, I was going to say let's talk about that very persuasive person on the side of the road in this episode. <laughs> Standing by the feds talking to security guard known as Rose Secret Agent. Secret Agent Rose. I loved her before. I was all about Rose. I love her even more now because the girl can kick a little ass. Oh, and she was loving it. Oh my god! I was, I was so glad. Yeah, she she was like, no, no, I got this. She's like, I can finally let loose. I love yeah. how Peggy was like talking Susa into, and it was like, oh, I hear. <laughs> Jack. I see it's your face, but I hear you know, Jack Thompson's voice. <laughs> I was like, ooh, bitch. That's like the ultimate insult to Susa is comparing him to Thompson, and it should be. Peggy Carter's talking some smack this season. Yeah, she is, and she's not holding back. And she knew that Rose had everything in her. Look at she. I mean, look what she's done. Even in the first season, she does protect them all. Mm-hmm. She is their. She is their sentry. She is. You know, they, you have to get past Rose, and nobody gets past Rose. She's also very good at manipulating the men with uh, the FSR to do what she needs. But I thought she was really cute with. With the doctor, the and he was just like, "Oh, he's he's kind of a like a social like he doesn't quite know what to do like socially awkward, but he's like really really super smart." Says, "I guess we're married. I'm her husband." Um, yes, wife. He is he is super smart in the fact that some of what he invented we see later on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As I said in my article, that device that he throws over the fence. Mm-hmm. Shrink it down, make it two tiny little things that you could fit on Black Widow's belt that she throws on either side of a guard when she infiltrates Hammer Industries in Iron Man 2. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He invented that, that means. Yep. We, got, we just got to see the origin of some of Black Widow's gadgets, and I exactly. like that. He's, he's, I love that he's like a frustrated agent. Mm-hmm. He wants to be out in the field. He's probably not meant to be out in the field. Um but he stood up for himself, and I was really proud of him for that. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't even have to give him any pie. He's the original Fitzsimmons. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. Original. He's Q. Yeah, he is. He's Q for them. Um, by the way, real quick, there is no mentioning of Roxanne, Roxanne in Molten Man's. Um, he used to work for a, a scientist named Raxton. Mark Raxton. And also he worked with Oscorp. Okay. So it's Raxton, not Roxon. Yeah, and wasn't a company, it was just a scientist. Uh, his name is actually, I'm sorry, his name is Raxton. But okay, the, the, right, he, he used to work with um, the Smith who uh, helped develop the Spider Slayers. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, but I like else the, just love the, the, the slow mo walking scene? Yes, did anybody? I, I thought, really, they're going to go straight out and then walk together. Because that's natural, sure. Well, it, everybody does it. I mean, it's like a thing now. It's like ever since Reservoir Dogs to do the walking scene. Yeah, to do the Reservoir Dogs yeah. slow mo walk. And that's what I said on, on Twitter. I was like, oh, and I love me some Reservoir Dogs slow mo walk. So I just thought, but then they, you know, it didn't quite go perfectly. No. <laughs> somebody stumbled, and then somebody else realized they didn't have the car nearby. Well, what, what a motley crew, though. Think about it. You have a disabled war veteran. You have a butler. 
Do you have an operator? Do you have a geeky science dude? Okay, then you have Peggy Carter. Because as a group. Okay, there's your original Cajuns of S.H.I.E.L.D. True. You have um, uh, the Chief, Coulson. You mm-hmm. have Ming-Na Wen, Peggy Carter. You know, um, May, Agent May. Then you have Fitz N. Simmons, right? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then the operator could be uh, Ward. Or Sky. He was, the, he was a go-to guy, you know, but you have Rose in that spot. You know, because she's, she's man enough to take it. Gonna get it to find Peggy Carter as a character because it was the people that didn't fit the social norm at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. She were with the best people despite their background. Or because of their background. Or because of their background, yeah, exactly. She's, yep. it, was a, it, was a, it was a crew of ragamuffins and just kind of cobbled together, but she knew that they could get the job done. And she had no doubts about any of them. And that's who Peggy is. It's like, look, I believe in all of you. I believe in all of your strengths. And we're going to go and we're going to do this. And not just because I can't convince anybody else to do this. Or it's because we have to do this totally under the radar. So the SSR doesn't know what we're doing. But this is, I believe in these people. And if she, if Wilkes was there, she would have had Wilkes there too. Um, to disarm uh the atomic bomb and this souffle. At the souffle, Jarvis had to deal with the souffles. Two souffles at that. Real, real, real quick. Um, uh-huh. Back when they were um, uh, trying to get into the um, building, mm-hmm. um, how many people loved that Easter egg? Silver War antiques. Yep. 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 That was great. That was a nice little wink. Yeah. The only the- problem I have was the color scheme. It's red and gold. That's Iron Man colors. Well, hmm. so is that team? Are they team Iron Man? Is Peggy gonna find out and get pissed? <laughs> no, I think oh. Peggy's gonna, you know, not gonna be around for Civil War. Tear. I know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start crying. Feels. But, oh, all cool. kinds of feels. But I thought that was a really clever little thing, and they were uh, talking about it on the writers' room, was posting pictures of it, like kind of like, see what we did, see what we did there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so it wasn't, you know, I think if you were watching for it or if you like were really paying attention, otherwise it was just an innocuous vehicle, which was great. You know, you don't want something to stand out that much, but in that situation, but I thought it was a nice little wink and a nod to, to Marvel and to the fans. I for sure agree. Good. I love when they do stuff like that. And I did love the whole thing at the fence where Rose is like trying to convince the guard or the guard wearing a Rolex uh, to uh, that they weren't doing anything. And he's like, get away from the fence. Just go away. Go away. And she's like, oh, my husband. And poor Al <laughs> just cannot act. I mean, the actor is very good, but Al as a character can't act. Like, it kept, he's really over. Is, is he really a poor Al? I mean, he's standing next to Rose, who's calling him husband. I, mean, but I think that he was so flustered. He was like, oh, oh yes, wife. That's my wife. Yeah. <laughs> We're married. <laughs> We're yeah. married. It was like, oh, sweetie, sweetie. And then she used that later on to get him motivated. Yeah. I thought, I mean, I was like, she is the cheerleader. She is exactly who she she needs to be. She knew exactly what Al, Aloysius needed to hear. And it's like, you know... Men accomplish great things when there are women to tell them that they can. So Yes, they did do a good job. I was very proud of Rose, and she got to kick a little butt. Yeah. And yeah she's I, was like, like, I got this. I was like, oh, my God, I'm Rose. And then it was are so, you? So, <laughs> the Rose of the Marvelverse podcast. Red, there you she's go. Redhead, she's redhead. She's plump, and she's very encouraging, and she kicks ass. So, yeah. I'm Rose. Not plump. She's overflowing with awesomeness. Yes. Yeah, thank you. I I like nice, that. Joshua. I no longer will refer to myself as fat. I'm overflowing with awesomeness. That should be at the end of your emails. <laughs> the amazing. Yeah. I was really happy that they're including Rose because they needed they need more women, uh, and Peggy is the one to bring more women into the fold. And I hope this this makes Rose you know, more valuable to the SSR, and maybe she'll join S.H.I.E.L.D. Again, maybe Rose is the one that could defeat Madame Mask. I, again, I, I don't think so. I think it's going to be Jason Wilkes. 
Kind of that as a joke. Oh, okay. But it would Sorry. be kind of, it would be awesome if she did do that. If she did, and she did the one thing Peggy couldn't do, that'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Good poor Jarvis with the souffle. <laughs> right. Oh, For the record, so... that is nothing like a souffle. <laughs> <laughs> no, souffles are harder. <laughs> as soon as he got locked in that room, going, "Oh no, he's going to do something." He doesn't want to do, and he's going to freak out. He's he's <laughs> somewhat unflappable in certain situations, uh, but this was not one of those situations. No, it wasn't. Although it was uh, funny to watch his facial expression, it was. You can almost feel him texting back. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, what? No. What? You want me to yeah. <laughs> you want me to do what? <laughs> but he did a really good job. I mean, he, he didn't blow up Los Angeles. We'll see. And that alone should tell you how great that was. Yeah. They felt better him doing it than Sousa because he dropped the sausage. You could have destroyed Los Angeles. Innuendos in this show. Howard's oh, Woody holding, dropping the sausage. Yeah, all I that kind actually, of stuff. One of the points I actually deleted from the discussion points was innuendo, schminuendo. It was just the amount of double entendres and sexual innuendo in this episode <laughs> was off the chart. Yes, it was. I was like, oh, dude. I was worried I would we would be able to remember exact, you know, quotes or things. I was just like, wow. Every time somebody says, I was like, oh my God, there's another one. There's another, but it wasn't too much, but it was like, it was starting to become, I think if they had like two more in there, it would have been okay. That's enough. Yeah. I think they did a good job of holding back. They did. And there was a lot of them. Go think of what, what was probably said, God said in addition all of that. Oh, yeah. They probably just had so much fun just ad- ad-libbing some, some stuff in there. Especially with that sausage scene. Oh, God. Gage Carter bloopers, everyone. I, I, you know, we knew Jarvis wasn't, you know, obviously Los Angeles is still standing, so we knew Jarvis uh, was going to succeed, but it was still nerve-wracking. It's like, even though you know the outcome is going to be okay, it was still like, oh, shit. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. What's it going to What's going to happen? Right. That doesn't mean that just because just because the uh, L.A., we knew L.A. was safe doesn't mean that something couldn't have cracked and exactly. Jarvis couldn't have been affected by poisoning and all that kind of stuff. Right. With all that radiation possible, you know, I was worried yeah. about him in there. But it's like, OK, he still has to raise Tony Stark. He still has to raise Tony Stark. That's true. Yeah. Here's here's the other thing, though. You know, let, rocks on. That's where this place is. They're holding nuclear rods and weapons in a closet. It's not even all that... I mean, they said it's double reinforced, but really, it's a closet. (laughs) I mean... Where do you keep your atomic weapons, Josh? Underground. Like, miles underground. Josh, this is a time period where the best way to survive nuclear radiation, at least what they told people, was to duck and cover. Right? <laughs> so, there you go. Air then, but, but see, but it, it just goes to show how, how unsafe Roxxon is. That they left a stack of, of um, cinder blocks with, um, with the rebar. um, rebar sticking out of it. Where just anybody could... I mean, what was the point of that room? What was the point of that? To have Peggy fall off a balcony. I think they were probably working on reinforcing something, like another room or something. Don't that... give them points. That I'm they... not giving them points. I'm just saying that's probably why the rebar was there, was that they were oh. building something. But just, you know, they didn't like, expect the somebody to be dangling from a catwalk. Who why thinks not? that, well, maybe we should move this because somebody might dangle from this catwalk. You know what? When they put it there, they should have looked up and said, you know what? In case somebody falls, we might not want to put this here. Yes, but then we wouldn't have had that moment. Well, I understand it was in the script. It doesn't mean that it's a a good idea. No, it's not a good idea. It's not a good idea to leave rebar sticking out of cinder blocks. I agree. I think it's a stupid idea, but this is also Roxxon we're talking about. Got also pre-safety inspectors, maybe. Right, exactly. And they didn't know the 
actually after. I mean, this was, was what we're talking two years after the atomic bomb dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So yeah. I mean, they don't know the you know the lingering effects of radiation. They don't understand how to properly store these things. They understand if you just nudge it, it's gonna break and it's gonna explode all over the place. So they, I mean, these are things we've learned in the years since because of idiots who like rocks on. <laughs> so we're looking at the reason behind warning labels. Yes, basically. Grexit. Yep. Grexit. Yeah. Roxton is the reason we have warning labels, yeah. Because you look up warning labels in the dictionary, you'll see Ray Wise's face. Because <laughs> of this man, we have to put... And then there's the lady who spilled hot coffee on herself and sued himself. Yeah. Yes. Well, even better, the face of the use of Ray would be the one that he had when he was getting um, memory wiped. <laughs> True. I think he enjoyed that. I think he enjoyed every minute of that. I think he's that kind of guy. I love the fact that he walks out, he has the same thought, agent. <laughs> then he yeah. walks back in, then agent. <laughs> I like, like how long is this going to go? <laughs> it's like Groundhog Day. Yeah. And then, then we, he finally leaves the office and his secretary's like, did you have a good lunch? He goes, well, he looks at himself, I must have. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, they they had they had some fun with this episode. They certainly oh, did. Totally, but at the same time, it was dramatic and tension. There was so much tension. I think he almost died for crying out loud. He almost died. Oh my god! When I saw, I was like, I saw that rebar all around her because you see it like she's looking around. I was like, oh, did she fall just exactly so that she fell in the middle of it? And and then I saw it sticking out of her pelvis. I was like, ah, crap. Yeah, but the thing is, and here's where I have a problem with some things, is if you're going to show us that Peggy Carter in Ant-Man is alive in the future, and if you're going to show us in Captain America Winter Soldier that Peggy Carter is alive in the future, in the current time, then then having her have these perilous moments, in my, I'm sorry, but it does nothing to me. It doesn't make me fear There's for no her. Attention. It doesn't. There's no tension because I already know that this is not going to happen. Like it's not, it's just not going to happen. She's not going to die. She's not going to be paralyzed. Is you know nothing like that is going to happen. So why did they even throw that in? Now if it had been Rose, oh my god. Well, I think it it builds some tension in the moment rather than long term tension. Um, right. And it puts it, and it it's like the whole it's like nobody is safe. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does take a little of the dramatic tension away because we know Peggy survives well into her nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also don't know what repercussions that have. Maybe she can't have children now. Maybe all of her kids are adopted, or you know, maybe you know. Plus, it led to the moment was you know. I think you needed that moment. To show Peggy was vulnerable still, but you also needed it to show how much the people around her cared about her. Especially Sousa for what happened. Especially Sousa. They Good needed story. that for that moment. And yeah, that part. rebar through the pelvis is not exactly the best way, but I think that it also is going to have to slow Peggy down a little bit. Also, it's more interesting than just shooting her. True. There is more dramatic that way. Plus, um, at, at the same time, could you search that she's a badass for surviving that? True. I mean, there was a lot of pain, and she quotes the trooper throughout the whole thing, I thought. And she didn't go yeah. to the hospital. And... Yeah. Yeah. Go nurses. Who needs yeah. doctors when you got nurses? Right. Sorry, my mom's a nurse. Yeah. Well, Violet did a good job. I'm still hoping that her and Sousa get together. Um,. Peggy, I know, is going to make it, so I'm not worried about that. What I do worry about is her feeling the need to no longer rest now that Jason is disappearing. Right. Now, you know, and I think you brought up something that you tweeted me last night, Josh, and it was like, you know, how does Jason know all this about the zero matter? The only you know, how does that- he know its origins? How does he know? And I was like, that's a really good I think he knows because he 
when he says it's calling to him, I don't think that it's, it's just a drive to be there. Like you suddenly feel like you need to be there. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually talking. I think it's there's he can actually hear something. Whenever the rift opens, I think he can hear voices or hear the call from the other side. Yeah. You know, and he's gathering a lot of information. Like when he's staring off into space and he's staring at the rift that's opening up in front of him, it's not just him battling the desire to go through the rift. I think he's hearing something and I think it's speaking to him, calling to him and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's really weird because he called he called, he called it a place full of pain, yeah. and yet he feels a desire to go. Well, if it is a symbiote like you think it is, Joshua, it it does. It has a voice. Yeah, the symbiote. I mean, they, they've explained that Venom has heard voices that there's any Brack, and then there's like a Venom voice talking to him. So yeah, that, that very well could be the situation here as well. Yeah, and I think the reason that he is fading. And my theory is that that little bit of um, zero matter that he absorbed and for a moment became um, tangible. If you notice, she grabbed the hand that um, had got the zero matter sucked into it. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, that's where it was most at, was there. So that she was able to grab hold of him because of the zero matter. But then as it spread throughout his body and it became more flimsy, more um, see-through. Not as, more. Concent- not, as, not as concentrated. Right. And so he became, you know, intangible once more. However, it's now coating his cells, which means the spray that Howard came up with is no longer effective, and it's wearing off. Yep. Call Howard, get the spray. Or have him come up with something else, because this... Well, that's true, too. We don't know, but they could be using the spray on him every day. You know, yeah. to like wake him up, but he just kind of appears. Yeah, it's 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 scary, but I think that I I I think that it is talking to him. I think that he knows what's on the other side. Um, the the just the weird part though is that um, somebody on Twitter um, just change real quick. Uh, Susan, I believe, by seven the seven C. I think mm-hmm. is her handle. She was talking with me about this morning about um, where this other place is, and I mentioned the fact that I thought it might be Maveth, the place where the ancient Inhuman was. But she says that she, I don't know. We we have to rewatch it. Did he? Did Jason Wilkes call the other place? He, he said it's full of pain and dark. Mm-hmm. But did he say it was cold? I don't remember. Because I don't think he did. I think I have- cold is just the byproduct of this, the zero matter sucking energy in order to live. I well, think also there's no there's no sun there, so if it's Maybeth, it probably. But then when they were there, they didn't seem to be cold. Yeah, they didn't mention it being cold, but they also I mean it was windy and all that. Um, but like I said, I think that the I think it's a byproduct of the um, of the I'm going to say symbiote. I think it's just it feeding in order to survive, um, sucking in energy. Well, there is an idea in the Ultimate Spider-Man comic book that Venom functions like a vampire, that it needs to absorb people to survive and, and keep functioning and keep itself, I guess, fed in a way. Well, it, it, it's not just in the comic books. They Well, they do mention that in the fact in, um, that he is... Venom is actually one of the symbionts that was um, outcasted by his people because they had become more carnivorous. They had become more, um, they need to devour their, their hosts slowly. Right. And him and his, his tribe were actually ones that felt, no, we need to bond with them. We can live and coexist and we can bond. And they were outcasts to a different planet, um, a prison planet for, them, for their people. And it was there that he was captured and made into a, a suit for Spider-Man, um, not knowing what he truly was. But in here, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, what if Maveth was the prison planet, and there was there is only him, there was only him, 
and he's not a symbiont and it's not a different alien race, what if the ancient inhuman is the first of his kind, the first dark force energy symbiont? And the reason he was so powerful is because he not only can take over people, you know, especially dead people, reanimate them, but he can also suck them. He can also devour their life energy, and he can do all these things that make him so dangerous. I mean, who wants to have somebody around who thrives and lives on life energy? You know, um, and that's I why a, I think MCU version of the symbiont. I just had a thought: Is Marvel really would they use Agents of Shield and Agent Carter to do a symbiont? Uh, storyline when we don't have the rights to Spider-Man. We do. We do. No, we, don't. We, have, we, have, no, we have. We have the we right to this. collaborate. I looked this up. We have the right to collaborate with Fox. And if they agree, we can use if everybody agrees, we can use Spider-Man for certain things. It's we not don't Fox have the Sony. Rights, it's Sony. We don't have the rights to Spider-Man. We have the right to borrow him if all of the players agree true we but don't have that but why mutants, would we set up it's, it's because movie. they're going to do a spider-man movie we know that we right. don't know what which villains they're actually going to use um, whatever however just like with mutants they changed it and they made them inhumans in the mcu if if the symbiont is not a symbiont an alien symbiont like venom is supposed to be but instead is an ancient inhuman using dark force energy. We just got around that. It's still a symbiont in the fact that he can still take over bodies and that he still sucks things and he can make somebody more powerful and be able to do certain things. It's a different version of it. They're rewriting the origin, in my opinion. This is just my theory. They're rewriting the origin of the Venom symbiont. Whether they call him Venom or not, they won't be able to until the movie because that's when they'll be able to use the rights and the, and the partnership with Sony to be able to do that because it's not just Spider-Man. They have access to Spider-Man and his villains. So they can use who they want for the movie. I think it's just Spider-Man. I don't think they can use his villains. Well, we'll have to look that up. But I think that because the other thing that made me think that they were thinking ahead along those routes is the fact that um, in an interview with Elizabeth Henstridge and Chloe Bennett, when they t were told what the plans were for this planet and the ancient inhuman and all that stuff, their reaction was, oh, we're going that route already? Okay. It's a little ahead of time, but okay. <clears throat> so that means that something that w is not going to, wasn't expected to be a storyline for a while is now suddenly getting a build-up. Just like in humans. In humans, they're getting a build-up way before the movie has even been, you know... Well, we might not even be getting a movie anymore. So. You know, everyone says that, but the it's rumor the came schedule. from... Is it? It's off the schedule. Because every schedule I've seen still shows it. The last schedule they put out with Ant-Man 2, and it, it wasn't on there. But they said they're going to make these movies to, like, what, 2000? 50? Right, it's not, yeah, it's not like it's going so it's, it'll happen. It'll happen, but I don't think it's going to happen as soon as it was. See, when, uh, when they did Ant-Man 2, I heard they were going to do an Ant-Man 2, but it was pushing Inhumans back. They actually mentioned it. That it was pushing yeah, but they, it back. wasn't actually on the schedule, because they talked about that at San Diego. But, uh, you know, they could have changed it. I haven't seen the new schedule yet. Uh, see, so. I haven't either. So they could have they could have put it back on, but with the schedule they released at San Diego Comic Con did not have Inhumans on it. Interesting. Because again, they may go a different direction with the movie. We have a different name. There's James and I were talking about. We just thought it weird when I was talking about the symbiote theory. He said, "Well, it's a very small group, and not a lot of comic book fans know who these people are." Which is why they're taking time to introduce it. Right. So why That's... would that become so important? And so we were, it was just something we were talking about the other day um, because we don't have, you know, with Marvel and the MCU and, and Sony and the whole deal because it's a really, you know, weird deal. It's like, well, 
This is, we'll let you do it if you do this. We'll let you use it if you do this. Well, as long as they don't say Venom and Symbiote, they can yeah. tell whatever story they want. That's true. Well, not not necessarily. Symbiote is not a, um, um, a word. It's an actual they, word. It's, it's an actual word that can be used. So they could say Symbiote. Venom, not so much. But call it an ancient inhuman or dark force energy. Sure. They can do that. I bet you could call it Venom in the Spider-Man, the actual Spider-Man movie. Yeah, but if, if they have the right. But I just don't know if we're we do we, Venom is to me was not that interesting a character. So and we've done that route in the Spider-Man films. But they could make but Marvel makes things more interesting. That's true. They've they've taken yeah. ideas that are crappy. That's true. I just I was not a fan of Venom. Who's a Guardians of the Galaxy fan? Can't tell that movie came out. Well, yeah, but I mean like the masses weren't into Guardians of the Galaxy. No. Yeah. So that's that's changed dramatically. You know, yeah. and then look. I mean, look at what Marvel can do with these characters and how they can they rewrite them in such a way that you're like, you know what? Suddenly he's a cool kind of guy, or I can get behind that. You know, um, can we fix, get their heads on Doctor Doom? Can fix yeah. that. They fix Marvel ahead. fixed a lot of things when they get their hands on it and they start doing things. They fixed Daredevil. Mm-hmm. They fixed. Uh, they they got fans to love Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, a walking, talking tree, you know, a walking, talking raccoon kind of thing. What's you not know? to love? But they, they did. They fixed a lot of things. They they fixed the Hulk because of the Eric Bono mistake. Um, they, I think that getting a hold of Spider-Man, and they mentioned the fact that talks and hopes and plans for Spider-Man and what they would do were in place long before they actually got Sony to agree. Well, yeah, had, you want to have you want to have your you want to go in and go look. This is what we can do. Yeah, you want to have your ducks in a row. Right, and this is how, and you know, you have to counter everything that they're going to do, but they're going to possibly throw at you. Well, but well, but well, but oh, but your movies, your Spider-Man movie. Probably did the big thing as well, but your Spider-Man movies aren't working. <sighs> they're a colossal mess. What you did didn't work. What you did was give us a jazz cat scene. Well, yeah. I'm going to slightly disagree in the fact that I don't know why everybody thought the uh, uh, Spider-Man two was such a problem. Um, The Tobey Maguire movies were okay. Spider-Man two wasn't the issue. It was Spider-Man three. Spider-Man three. Spider-Man three is the Sony version of X-Men three. Those yeah. don't, there's, there is no such thing as X-Men 3. Right. And it doesn't all, exist. both of those movies are in the same classification as the Star Wars prequels. do don't, don't. Okay. So, but I, Andrew Garfield's version of Spider-Man. I like his I, I loved it. Yeah. I thought he did a fantastic job. And I Jamie Foxx as Electro was amazing, I thought. I thought the Amazing Spider-Man films were very good. I thought Spider-Man 2 was good. With even though Tobey Maguire is in it, um, it was Spider Man three that, and that was just like okay, Sam Raimi, I love you, but no, this is there's so much wrong with this film on so many levels. Yeah, Um, a lot of people were messed up mad because the villain that they had been talking about all along, Venom, they said was finally going to be in the movie, and in total screen time was there less than three minutes. Right. Yeah. Well, it's like, and then in Amazing Spider-Man 2, they used Rhino for like a minute. And it was like, you introduce Rhino and you don't use him. Well, What's not only like that, they introduced him as a guy in a giant suit, in right. a mechanical suit. Right. You know, let's, let's do it. Let's do that a little bit better. Now, granted, the, the Hobgoblin, Green Goblin, they did a good job, mm-hmm. I have to admit. Electro, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, iconic. Yes. You know? But, he was Peter Parker, he was Spider-Man, he was both. But the whole Sinister Six thing, because they tried to throw all that stuff in there? I don't think it should have been in the movie. They tried to do way too much in that movie. You can't introduce three villains. Because even Mark Webb said this is too much. Because the yeah. studio's like, we have to do it this way. It's got to be they done were, this way. They were only doing it because they were hoping to do a Sinister Six movie. Um, and you they can't were hoping to doing that. You can't well, go in going, okay, we want to set up a movie. We have to throw every, 
you have to like what Marvel does. You set it up, you build, you build, you build, you build. Then you give us the team up. Right. It's the exact opposite. It's it's the same. You know, Tony's doing the same thing that DC is doing. Is doing too much at once and speeding up the process and going, okay, here's this, here's this. Now there's the team. Yeah, the problem is, is they don't want to duplicate Marvel because then it's obvious, hey, we're duplicating Marvel. But that's what we want. But doing the opposite is just going, it's like, we're going to, by the time Superman versus Batman comes out, we will have three DC superhero movies in the can before the first one is the first official one is even out. What if they don't do well? What if they're total flops? What if people go, this is not Batman. This is not Superman. They have this whole schedule and they are just going to keep making these movies. God, people are pissed. Come out Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Have you read articles and stuff? I think Suicide Squad's going to be a good movie. We'll, we'll discuss that on DC Nation. Yes. That's a mess. That's going to be a very, very long episode, folks. But for, yeah. But for, yeah, we can do a special episode, you know? Civil War will be a fun conversation. I'm looking forward to talking about Civil War. Yeah, I'm looking forward oh, to yeah. talking about Deadpool. Yeah. I'm seeing it Thursday night, 7 p.m., uh, advanced showing. Nice. Nice. I'm so seeing I'll it be writing my article that night. Yeah, have to figure that out. Just to let you know, it will be spoiler-filled, so... I won't read it. I'm not seeing it till Saturday. Yeah, I gotta, we got to figure out when we're going to cover that, because I didn't realize Cajun Carter was going to be two hours next week. Yeah. So, cause that's going to be a lot to talk about, so I don't know how we're going to make that all work. Because there like, a break? If possible, I have Mondays off. I can talk on Monday about Deadpool. Well, thanks for joining us again, Josh. We're Kaput is always helpful. Thanks. Okay, just let everybody know, reminder that this um, this coming Sunday, I believe it is, uh, Feb- February 14th, Valentine's Day. It's coming up fast. Um, DC Nation pod, uh, podcast, Marvelverse podcast, and Thronescast, Facebook pages and Twitter accounts will be merging with a- across the airwaves. The podcasts themselves will still be individual and available on iTunes and on the website. It is just the Facebook accounts and Twitter accounts that will be merging in order to make sure all the information can be found on one site and one location. So that happens this Sunday, February 14th. On Monday, the following day, we will be shutting down the Facebook pages uh, and Twitter accounts for Marvelverse, DC Nation, and Thronescast. So make sure you head over to Across the Airwaves on Facebook, give them a like, and head over to them to Across the Airwaves on Twitter and give them a follow in order to stay up to date on all the newest information. That happens again this Sunday. Okay, we are planning on changing the closing to our episodes beginning that week to address the change as well. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. See you, Josh. Bye. All right, so let's get into the feedback we got. Got a little about on Twitter, but I uh, definitely appreciate everyone who's come in to uh, be a part of the live tweets. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun, and I'm glad everyone's getting involved. But uh, let's get a couple of tweets about the episodes. Okay, our friend James at Full of Hay he's called this episode Game Changer. Um, new fa- friend of the podcast so, at Solar David Poet. Tonight's Agent Carter was Jarvelous, 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 Jarvelous. The Agent Carter Writers Room delivers perfect TV every week. Way to go. I agree. Our friend Tatiana at Princess de Leon, Rose, Secret Agent Queen. I think she came out with the win this uh, this episode, our Rose. Yep, the VP of the episode. Somebody mentioned, I can't remember who it was, forgive me, uh, Rose and the Doctor. Yes. <laughs> God, there was Morgan's email. Talked a little bit about that, too. Oh, okay. Maybe that's where I heard it. Which we'll get into, like right now and that's the main event of our listener feedback exactly section, as always. hey Nikki Dan and Josh that totally felt like a heist episode and quite an awesome one at that it seems Peggy has gone undercover every episode so far this season and I'm loving it even if she does have to break out the American accent now and then Dan it was adorable proposing to Violet but I feel so bad for her because he clearly loves Peggy which became more apparent at the end of the episode the scene between Whitney, her husband, and the mob was so interesting and presented a lot of questions. What the heck is up with that mob boss? Do we think he can reminds or pick up on feelings or something? No, I just 
I personally think he's just a douche. Um, <laughs> Did you recognize who he was? Yes, that's Ken Marino. Yes, he was the douchebag on Frederick Mars. Pretty well low. He's a douchebag in Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs> and he's on Children's Hospital and uh, Party Down. He's a great. He's a really good actor. I'm glad that he's getting a chance to do drama. Yes. How else does he know Goon was thinking perverse thoughts? Well, just guys, you. Uh, I hate to break this to you guys, but you're pretty obvious when you're thinking perverse thoughts. But it was a good point, Morgan. Or do we think maybe he was an, making an example of a guy to show he isn't someone to be messed with? Very good point, Morgan. Is this an early sign of someone with abilities? Inhuman? I have so many questions. Okay, and that Team Carter group walk was fierce. Hashtag squad goals. I also love Susan Jarvis just doubting the entire plan and Peggy being like, bitch, please, we got this. The doctor's fantastic. I love that he's so into Rose because the doctor and Rose, a doctor who feels. Jarvis of the bomb, he was so not cool about it. Love the souffle reference, though. Whenever they can fit jokey moments into serious situations, it's always a good time. The Peggy Whitney fight, though, holy crap. That was a bit scary because when Peggy went up against Dottie, it was pretty much an even match. But Whitney kind of dominated this battle, seeing as Peggy ended up impaled. So happy she's going to be okay. Two hours next week. Yes, yes, yes. Super excited about the prospect of teaming up and using Dottie to go after Whitney. That could only end up going wrong somewhere along the line, and I cannot wait. Until next week, Morgan. Yes, and if you want to share your thoughts on Cajun Carter, remember to tweet us at Across the Airwaves now after each episode. Corey emails at across the airways at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail by calling 773-809-3363. Again, that's 773-809-3363. Again, with that, we're going to go into our closing where Vicky's going to share what's happening Cut our next episode. Next week, we talk about the two-hour episode Monsters and listener feedback. That's going to be exciting. Again, with that, we're going to roll our brand new pre-recorded closing, addressing the changes coming to our website. Get at our Across the Airways podcast network website, acrosstheairways.com. Again, that's acrosstheairways.com. You can check out all of our podcast shows, available as their own individual programs, in the iTunes store, in Google Play store. Guys, for the podcast shows, cut our network, we have the DC Nation podcast, located at dcnation.acrosstheairwaves.com Again, that's dcnation.acrosstheairwaves.com which reviews popular DC Comics related TV shows and movies. There's also the Marvelverse podcast located at marvelversepodcast.acrosstheairwaves.com Again, that's marvelversepodcast.acrosstheairwaves.com which reviews Marvel Comics related TV shows and movies. And we also have Thronescast, our podcast dedicated to reviewing episodes of HBO's Game of Thrones, which is available at the website thronescast.acrosstheairwaves.com. Again, that's thronescast.acrosstheairwaves.com. In addition to these programs, you can listen to the original Across the Airwaves podcast, which is accessible at acrosstheairwaves.com, which reviews TV shows not related to superheroes, core Game of Thrones, like The Walking Dead, Doctor Who, Star Wars Rebels, Supernatural, and more, including sitcoms such as The Big Bang Theory and The Muppets. Also, you can listen to Across the Airways, the DC Nation podcast, Thronescast, the Game of Thrones podcast, and the Marvelverse podcast, got the mixed radio station, Code by Jack Stifle, Stitcher Radio, or if you use Apple devices, Download the Podcast Box app. And if you're on a Windows or Android device, you can download our apps from the Amazon Marketplace. Because the Windows Marketplace has a regular Windows or Windows Phone app. Because for how you can contact us to give your own listener feedback, got the TV shows we review, provide suggestions on how we can improve your podcast listening experience, or just want to say, do you like what we're doing? Email us at across the airways at gmail.com. Again, that's across the airwaves at gmail.com. Comment on our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter. Got across the airwaves. There's no the in there. It's just across the airwaves. Join our circle. 
Sky Google Plus, or leave us a voicemail by calling 773-809-3363. Again, that's 773-809-3363. Also, when sending us an email, please mention which podcast show you're directing the message to. Give the subject line. Give you are sending us listener feedback you want us to read on the air. I would also recommend that you check out our YouTube page, which features trailers for upcoming movies and television events. Along with this content, the ATA YouTube channel is a great source for panels from past Comic-Cons, and it will be a great resource to find videos related to the Comic-Con taking place in San Diego this summer to go along with our Comic-Con special. All right. So once again, for our other Across the Airwaves podcast hosts, Nico Reistek, Moo Kim, Michael J. Petty, Ken Steve Nostro, I'm Dan Schmidt. I'm Nikki Amy. I'm Josh McCray. And until next week, we will catch you in the Marvelverse next Saturday. two-hour Agent Carter recruiting an old enemy Underwood Jeeves to fight a new one Whitney Frost is your target what could possibly go wrong it's one back-to-back Carter event you're full of surprises you cannot miss I've never seen you like this before look what scared Marvel's Agent Carter next Tuesday 9 8 central on ABC all right so what you just heard is audio for next week's two-hour Action-packed, Cajun Carter extravaganza, entitled Monsters. As Peggy plots a rescue mission, Whitney hunts for even more dark power, and Jarvis learns he should not make promises he can't keep. Marvel's Agent Carter guest stars are Lottie Verbeek as Anna Jarvis, Bridget Regan as Dottie Underwood, Christopher Allen as Agent Ryan, Kurtwood Swift as Vernon Masters, Ken Marino as Joseph Manfredi, and Matt Brownger as Dr. Samberly. Monsters are written by Brandon Easton and directed by Metin Hussein. I'm very excited for the Dottie <laughs> Peggy team up. Yes. Or Jakey Alliance. I think that's going to be good stuff, but I do think we're going to have, see a situation where the communists and the Americans have kind of the same view on something a very, very big threat, which is yeah. Whitney. Yeah. So I do think they're going to work together on the same page, and we may get more indication that. Dottie is a precursor of Black Widow and was a part of that program. Well, it it does sound like it based, and then we when we had the flashback scene in uh, uh, Age of Ultron, right? It did look like it was the same program, so I'm I'm not surprised. Um, I think we're probably Dottie is probably going to escape. Okay. From this <laughs> from this situation, they they've broken her out to help, and I think she's just going to keep going on her merry way. But uh, that will make it very interesting. Peggy Carter is pretty slick, though. It's going to be hard to get the drop on her. But it, it's, she's also afraid. Yeah, and Peggy's also, also kind of injured. Yeah. So that's and not good. We're dealing with something she's never even considered before. God, I like it that I like it that Ken Marino's back. Yes, and Vernon Masters is back. Yes, yeah, so hopefully uh, Kurt Wood Smith was feeling better for this episode. Yeah. So you get some good stuff out of him because he is. A good actor, and uh, what was I going to say about Ken Marino? Oh, what I'm curious about is what her connection with Whitney is, and if that's going to tie back to the Magia connection and all that stuff. Because uh, Whitney Frost was involved with gangsters in that cold crime family, right? Within the comics, he's clearly a gang, uh, you know, mob boss. And they had a romantic, it sounds like they had a romantic relationship, but she's attracted to men with power. So he is a crime boss and uh, Chadwick is, you know, a potential senator, potential presidential candidate. So I think 
that she's attracted to men with power. But I, I actually kind of think she does love Chadwick, or she did before this stuff took over, because she just wanted to give up everything and just go home, just be a wife and mother, and she wanted to do it with him. So, but she was betrayed by Chadwick. Well, because we'll see next week. Yes. Yeah. That's a woman scorned, especially someone like Whitney Frost. You're going to pay the price for that. Hell hath no fury. But again, I don't think Whitney's uh, scared of uh, Ken Marino's character either, even though he put that crazy routine on. She could suck him up. That w- that was a lot of posturing too. That was you know, you know, he's meeting her husband, you know, the guy she married over him, and he's got to show that he's got something on him. Exactly. Look, I could beat this guy up for no reason, right in front of you, and not break a sweat. Yeah. So it's going to be a fun-filled episode with villains next week. Two-hour episode. Yes, that should be exciting. And sadly, that means no Muppets. Bummer, but they'll be back the next week. Yeah. Or is it it going to be... I think it's going to be 9 to 11. I I think we're still going to get them. Oh, good. So good. We're good. (laughs) Still Muppets, too. All right. So that doesn't screw up your ATA schedule. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us for this week. And we'll be back next week to talk about this awesome two hours event. See you guys. We now return to our regularly scheduled program.